Welcome to the River of Calms Beyond the Music podcast. I'm your host, Ed Basil, and the River of Calm is music to soothe your soul. And our Beyond the Music podcast gives you a closer look at the artists who are on the River of Calm. And today we have in the studio pianist, composer, and entrepreneur, David Nevue. David, welcome. Thanks so much, Ed. It's great to be here with you. Oh, it's great to have you here. What an amazing career you have. My gosh, how often can I say things like, gosh, um, he's been uh, featured in the Wall Street Journal and Rolling Stone magazine and won the best instrumental piano album and the Lifestyle Music Awards and on and on and on. You have had an amazing career. Well, it's, you know, you do something long enough and if you do it well enough, people start to notice. So it's, I've been, I've been Mm -hmm. blessed. That's for sure. Well, very cool. Well, let's just walk through this a little bit, David. And I know our listeners will be excited to know, you know, first off, how did you get started in music? Was it a calling or was it parents forcing you? (laughs) (laughs) No, it definitely wasn't my parents forcing me. I mean, neither of my parents were musical at all. So, Mm -hmm. um, I have to say, I think uh, my first real exposure to to music in terms of being an instrumentalist or playing music was honestly growing up watching the Monkees television show on TV and seeing these guys who, you know, I was probably six or seven or eight um, and seeing these teenagers having a ball and playing musical instruments and you know, that mm-hmm. was music and that was what a band was and um, to me. And that's really, I think, what made me want to do it and what kind of planted that thought in, in my mind. And then you mm-hmm. take that in combination with uh, my grandmother having a little piano at her house. And so going to grandma's house, you know, two or three times a week as we did and just sitting down at the piano Um and just kind of playing little melodies that I had picked up from the radio um, Mm -hmm. and trying to find them and trying to find the notes and the intervals and all of that. I mean, that's really how I got started. And I have to say the Monkees television show is probably what made me want to be a musician, at least in the early years when I was a kid. Hey, hey, we're the Monkees, definitely. That's right. right. (laughs) I know it's funny, it's just a funny thing, but uh, that was really my main exposure to music as a a kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Loved the show, by the way. Uh, (laughs) It was a great show. And it's just a coincidence I mentioned to you off off the the recording that uh, I've had a career in booking uh, artists for corporations for 20 plus years. We booked Davy Jones once before he passed away. That was a really cool event. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So, sorry, back to, I don't want to interject. This is about you, not me today. So, <laughs> you're there. Grandma has the piano. Yeah. And what type of music are you playing at Grandma's house? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking around, really. As a kid, like I said, it was, um, it was me. Just, I always, I seem to have a gift. Um, from early on of hearing music and being able to find it um, on the piano and work out the melody. And that's really what got my mom and dad hearing me play things. Like I can specifically remember working out the song um, Windy by the Association. Remember? Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. I I have a very solid memory of, of working that out at the piano and finding the melody. And my mom and dad, heard that that i could find i could hear things and then figure it out at the piano and so Mm -hmm. naturally they um wanted to get me started in piano lessons and so Mm -hmm. i was we were really a very poor family we didn't have much so um they got there was somebody there's a lady at church um who taught and so they had me start out with her, and I was 12 years old by the time I started. Um, mm-hmm. And I took lessons with her for three months or so, and then we moved. And then they put me with another piano teacher um, who I think she was kind of 
let's just put it this way. Her style of teaching was um, you play one key until you master that key and then you can start the next key. So I spent my year with her as a teacher playing everything in the key of C because she never considered me mastering the key of C so I could move on to the key of G. Hmm. So even at 12, 13 years old, um, I knew that just that just didn't seem right. Yeah. Uh, so I changed teachers and I was with somebody else for about six or month, nine months. And by the time I was 14 or 15, I, I quit lessons. I just I was never into playing classical music. I never really mm-hmm. had a desire for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I always wanted to do my own thing and play the music I heard on the radio. So um I just kind of by the time I was 15 I quit and I was just playing by ear and taking songs that I liked and I had spent years in choirs in school so I you know was able to kind of read music just a little bit from that mm-hmm. um and uh so from there really from the age of 15 I just taught myself so that I could play what I wanted to play and what I heard in my head Nice and at age 15 were you of the mindset that wow I'm going to be a pianist for my life and my career? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think the thing I wanted to do was, um, I really wanted to play keyboards. I wanted to play synthesizer. By the time I got into, by the time I was 15 and um, in high school, it was the early 80s. You know, the new wave sound, you know, was coming out. MTV hit in 83, I think it was, uh, somewhere around there. Right. And and I wanted to play keyboards. And so, uh, you know, I I picked up a little Roland Juno 106 and um, wow taught myself to you know playing on that and really my dream at that point was I wanted to play in a band I wanted to be, play rock music um, uh huh and uh, and that kind of went with me through college um, and so you know met lots of other musicians in college and had two or three versions of bands playing music in that vein and music inspired by bands like Kansas and sticks and pink Floyd and, um, mm-hmm. classic bands. Yeah. Classic bands. So that's really, that's kind of, that was my dream at that point in time. I never, never, ever occurred to me, uh, until way, way later to do piano for a living. And what did you study when you were in college? Well, it's funny. Um, I went in as a music major because um, I I did well in music in high school uh, choir, mm-hmm. I should say, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I loved it. So I went in as a music major, but I dropped it after one semester. Wow! And uh, the the high school that I went to, um, in which was in Colorado Springs, Colorado beautiful had a had a really fantastic music program and when i went to college i just i felt like uh the college music program wasn't up to the par of my high school program and so i was kind of disappointed and disillusioned by that and then um dropped my music major and i ended up going into communication arts because my interest turned to theater so they had no theater major the closest thing to a theater major was communication arts and so that's what i ended up graduating with got it Understandable. And what made the transition from communication arts to your first CD? <laughs> how, what, how do you explain that to the world? Huh? <laughs> well, I mean, again, we're talking, you know, you're, you're kind of talking, we're talking leaps and bounds by years, but, but basically it was during my college years when, uh, again, we're talking early eighties, I was in college 83 to 87. Um, uh-huh. so there was a cat who was really popular and becoming kind of in the music in, in terms of the public uh, recognizing him and knowing him. And that was a guy named George Winston. I don't know if you've heard of him. Of um, course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So, uh-huh. so I'm a freshman going into college and, and um, I know, no, no, I don't know anybody. So I go to college and I get paired up with um, a college roommate who was a, a physical education major you know, uh, but he was a huge fan of George Winston. And so he played his music all the time. And I heard, that's where I first heard George Winston and I heard his music. And that's the first time I'd ever heard anything that sounded like that. And of course there Uh really wasn't anyone else that really sounded like that. And at that time, and, Mm -hmm. um, it was 
during those kind of formative years where I, I thought to myself, well, I, I can do that. I can, I can play that because before hearing George Mm -hmm. Winston, my idea of solo piano was classical music or jazz, you know, nothing, nothing like that. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, during those years when I was playing with some, some kind of garage bands, uh, made up of musicians that I met at college, um, I was always on the side messing around at the piano, um, and experimenting. And really George Winston was kind of the one who, uh, made me even think about going in that direction. Um, because I, I just, I don't think I would have ever considered or thought of like solo piano, just piano. But then what happened was, mm-hmm. was I started writing, um, for most of the bands that I was in, I was the main songwriter. I was always writing songs, mm-hmm. writing songs from high school on. Um, but I was writing songs with lyrics, um, mm-hmm. and words and usually the singer. Um, and so, but while I was playing in these groups during college on my own on the side, I was playing music and, and starting to write for piano. And by the time I was a senior, um, they had a, a talent show. Um, mm-hmm. and I decided to kind of, uh, reveal myself as a pianist to the world. <laughs> and so I did this, I, I, wow. I entered this talent show. I played one of my original compositions. Um, that I had written that year. And then I took three notes from the audience and improvised something on the spot. Um, and I, wow. ended, up, I ended up winning the, so I won 50 bucks. That was my first money made as a pianist. No kidding. So let me backtrack just for a second. So you're saying the monkeys plus your roommate plus George Winston plus living courageously and doing the talent show all came together to launch you. Yeah, it did. Exactly. It's George, the the monkeys plus George Winston. Uh, it's kind of funny, but wow. and then and then from there, I mean, I just you know, once I got out of college and I I got out of the band scene because the people weren't around me, and um, I just found that I really worked better on my own. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not an easy person to work with, to be honest. I'm I'm kind of a I'm. A perfectionist and when you have other people mm-hmm. in the band that are perfectionists too and people want to all go in their own directions it just a lot of drama and i just found that i just um since i was discovering this whole solo piano thing and i could do it myself and i didn't have to depend on other people to show up for rehearsals and depend on other people to do their jobs um i kind of left the band thing i continued to write piano and and basically it would took me a few years i mean it was about five years before I found a studio and, and, and got into a place to record and recorded my first album. So, um, it was a process. And again, it was, it was something I was doing as a hobby. Even at that point in time, I never thought Mm -hmm. it would be something I do for a living. It was just how I expressed myself. I, I liked playing the piano and writing these songs. So it's like, well, I've written 10 songs. What do I do with this? Um, well, I guess I'll Mm -hmm. make, make an album. And so, I asked around, found a studio with a, uh, you ever hear a band called Night Noise? Old Windham Hill band? I don't think I have. Um, okay. Well, they were kind of in the early years of Windham Hill and um, there, somebody uh, referenced me to their studio, which was in Portland, Oregon, which was uh, the area that I was living at the time. And uh, uh-huh. so I contacted them. I went into their studio and sat down at their Yamaha and in, I booked a 10 hour session and recorded my album and put it all together in 10 hours. <laughs> First album. <laughs> wow. Oh, how exciting was that? Man. It was really exciting. It was so cool. What year was that? It was just, a, uh, it was just, you know, again, it was just a hobby. So it was something I was doing for fun. Um, it was, uh, it was 1992 was the year I released that. So that time it's a hobby. When did it really catch on to you that this is, this is my life? Uh, <laughs> Um, not really until after my fourth album. Um, you know, again, we're talking in the nineties. I, I released my second album in 95 and then my third in 97, mm-hmm. my fourth in 99. And during this whole period in the nineties, I was working at a company called, uh, Symantec. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I was working there when the whole internet thing was happening and coming to be. I, I remember the first, uh, I remember, you know, the the BBS system. I remember when CopyServe and AOL came online. I remember the first browser and all the, the discussion groups. And I was involved in technology working at Semantic when all that was happening. So how exciting on the, t- on the front end of it, huh? Yeah. And so I put my second album, um, While the Trees Sleep, um, online for sale in 1995, um, really mm-hmm. before most people around me even knew what the internet was. Nice. Um, and so I was selling that online pretty early. Um, I think I was one of the first people to sell sheet music of my original music. Uh, I, I don't know anyone else that was doing it at that time. Um, wow. And so, you know, again, this was just kind of a hobby thing I was doing on the side. And as a creative person, just writing music and composing, I just loved it. And um I would, you know, go around and play shows and sell my my tapes, my cassette tapes, because that's what I had at that time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I say I took all that money and I just put it in the bank, and when I had enough money to go into the studio and, and record again, then I did that. And so that's what I did for the first really three or four albums. And then by the time we got into the late 90s, I started to uh, do pretty well in terms of just uh, – able to sell enough to you know between between the new release and then when someone discovered my music i was able to sell them like three or four albums instead of just one so that kind of made things grow a little bit exponentially um Mm -hmm. by the time i got into uh 2000 or so um i had basically built my own business on the side selling my music online and um and i wrote a book about it which i was also selling um, wow. and so by the time I got to 2001, I was making as much money from my music and from my business as I was working at Symantec. And so I saved up a year's salary, put a year's salary in the bank. And once I had a year's salary in the bank to lean on, I quit my day job. Wow. And that's big. That's big. I figured I got a year. I got a year to do this. I got a year to make this work. I've got a year's salary sitting in the bank. So let's go for it. And I've never looked back and I've never worked for anyone else since then. Congratulations. That's huge. You know, it is huge to be an entrepreneur and it's, it takes a brave, bold step to make that step. So, well, and, and a little bit of just, you know, good timing too. I mean, timing is a lot and I'm very fortunate to have been put where I was in terms of working for a technology company and kind of being on the forefront of that. And then, you know, and having that knowledge, um, and living at a time where I was able to get in pretty early on all this stuff because I was really active when it was all happening. And so, you know, that's benefited me then. And that still benefits me now. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been doing, I've been selling on the internet since really the internet kind of started in terms of the public awareness of it. So that's been obviously very helpful to, you know, longevity. You're like the David Seavers of CD baby, except you're of the piano industry, you know, (laughs) selling online early. That's so cool on that. So how many right now in 2019, how many CDs do you have now? I just released uh, this week. In fact, was, uh, the official release date. Um, but I just released my 16th album. 16. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh my God. In the soft light of grace, correct? Yes. Yeah. And, and we do feature that on the river of calm. So make sure you listen for it. That's a beautiful piece of work. Thank you. I have no idea how you come up with all these, uh, this music and, and again, well, just to start with, do you schedule time each day to write music or does it come naturally upon inspiration? I don't schedule uh, time each day specifically to write music. Um, you know, what happens, here's kind of what happens. Uh, try to, in a nutshell, to the best of my ability, here's what happens. The more success you have, the more time you spend keeping that success going Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like when you become successful, you actually have less time to do the thing that made you successful. Um, Mm -hmm. so when, so basically what is, what's happened and and what's a constant battle and has been a constant battle for probably 10 years 
is um, is is learning to and trying to uh, take the time to turn off the business so you can turn on the artist. Mm. And, you know, that's always a battle and always a challenge. So when I get into a mode where I know, okay, I'm going to start writing now, um, at this point in my life, um, because it does take me a while to really compose um, at least an album worth of material, um, mm-hmm. I have to be able to look ahead and say, okay, uh, do I have anything pressing in the next three to four months that is going to distract me? Um, and if I'm in a place where I've got no big deadlines, I got no big projects, um, and I can look ahead three or four months and see that, you know, I've got this space here where I can be creative, then it's kind of like I give myself permission now to, mm-hmm. to write. And I kind of, uh, almost kind of turn on this place in my mind and say, okay, you can do this now. And then I'll sit wow. down at the piano and start writing. But I kind of have to put myself in that mode. And that it, that is a deliberate thing for me, generally, at least at this point in time. Um, well, I, you're so right. Yeah, I have, to, I have to make time for it and say, okay, I'm going to do this now. And then when the music becomes my priority again, then I'm able to sit down and compose and write. I hear you loud and clear because there is the business of music and that takes a lot of time to be an artist, to do all the things it takes to be an artist, let alone to be a creative individual to create the music. So yeah. I, I hear you the struggle and I appreciate what you're saying there. Yeah, it's, it is, it's, you know, the business is, is, is a thing where it will take over your life and it will consume you. Um, and it's not just, your own thing. It's, you know, as you get involved with other people who are doing the same thing and you network and make connections and you're, you're doing things, um, that are kind of, that are parallel to what you do, but maybe aren't precisely what you do. I mean, these things can all just suck up your time and your energy. And, right. and I don't know where you are in your life, but I'm at a place in my life now, uh, where, uh, I don't have the energy I used to. And so, I, I really have to, I'm really, it's a continuing struggle. It's just like, I, there comes a point where I really have to, um, just turn some things off so that I can turn on my creative spirit again. I hear you loud and clear. And not only are you a pianist and an artist, you also, you're the founder and program director of whispering solo piano radio. That's huge. What a time. I believe me. I know from running the river of calm that takes a tremendous amount of time uh, out of your day or it can. Yeah, it can. I mean, you, as you know, you could spend all day, every day working on it and never finish. Uh, Amen. And it's, it is, again, it's just one of those things that is a, it's a delicate balance. And, you know, the whisperings mm-hmm. broadcast is something that I do for the love of it. I mean, it's not really an income per se. So it's something that I mm-hmm. do because I love the music. I want to help support other artists that are doing what I'm doing. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's been a blessing and it's, it's a good thing. It's kind of a way to give back um, as well as providing a vehicle for my own music, which, you know, I mean, I started Whisperings Radio back in 2003 when there wasn't anything else like that. That's why I started mm-hmm. it. I started to, ra- there, no, there was no such thing as solo piano radio. And so I mm-hmm. decided to, you know, figure out how to create my own solo piano radio station so that I would have somewhere to play my music other than my own, my bedroom or my car. So yeah. we're, we're two peas in the pods. I, I, <laughs> the river of calm, just like the whisperings started it as a way to give back to support other artists if I can get a song or two of mine on there, all the better. Yep. But it is a passion project. So I, my hat's off for you for even taking that on. In addition to 16 CDs or albums you've released. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I I have a question for you. I've been okay. wondering this since the band days. Yeah. You said you were, you kinda, were kind of a little shy about it. You said you're somewhat of a perfectionist. So now that... David is alone now without a band. <laughs> How bad is your inner critic? It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Um, it's, 
it's 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 tough but here's the thing um i have been really learning um because i've had to um i have been learning to let things go um a little bit and i've been learning how to manage that inner critic i've Mm -hmm. it's been a process um with this last album i mean really this 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 last album uh in the soft light of grace and the way it all came about was kind of all about that process too, because my previous album winding down was my, my approach to that compositionally was I wanted, I wanted very much to exceed anything that I'd done before compositionally. And I really wanted to challenge myself as a, as a composer and do some new things and, and try to, compose songs in such a way that they would have elements that would surprise people, but still fit within the context of the song. I wanted, I wanted to really just stretch myself. And so, um, I was very deliberate and very much a perfectionist on that album with the determination to make it my best thing ever, uh, in terms of something I could look at and say, wow, I, you know, just be so proud of it in that sense. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, the problem was, I guess, I mean, just so many things enter into it, but after releasing that album where I felt like I really accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, um, you know, the natural artist is you want to, you want to do better than anything you've done before. Mm -hmm. Um, you always want to do more. Um, and so my original approach to composing after that project was, well, now I have to do better than what's already my best. And the, the, the strain of trying to do that, striving for that, and never being satisfied with anything that was coming out because it just wasn't clever enough mm-hmm. um, drove me mad. Um, it, it just mm-hmm. became this thing. I was banging my head against the wall, and um, I just kind of threw up my hands and and I really just stopped writing for about a year because I wasn't getting anywhere. And, you know, um, all this time during all of this, uh, dealing with some health problems that I've never experienced before and just, you know, uh, having other things going on in my life that were uh, causing a lot of uh, just stress. Um, Mm -hmm. I really kind of reached a point, you know, in my, in my, in my spiritual walk, even where I just had to throw up my hands to some degree and say, God, if you want me to do this, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't feel good. I don't, I I can't achieve that level that I had before. And I kind of reached a point where, um, I gave myself permission to just play the piano just mm-hmm. to play the piano and to not worry about doing anything exceptional. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have wow. to write anything exceptional. Just, just enjoy the piano. Just sit down and just play. And if something comes out and it's incredibly simple, that's okay. And mm-hmm. so the whole concept of the album kind of became this grace theme, this theme of grace, you know, um, you know, you're broken, but there's grace. Um, you're not mm-hmm. perfect, but there's grace. It's okay. And so a lot of it became, you know, my giving myself permission to not strive and to just relax in it. And once I did that, uh, and I just said, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to force this anymore. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to play the piano. Um, Wow, and that's when I started writing again, and that's that's where this album came from. This album is a much different album than the previous one. It's it's simpler, it's relaxed, it's coming to terms with that. You know what whole started this question, which was that you know perfectionist thing, right, right. Kind of learning to coming coming full circle, learning to let go, and learning to say, you know, I will never be an artist who ever says that's good enough because I don't believe in that's good enough. Um, Mm -hmm. for myself, but I did learn to say, you've done a good job. You, that, that is, that represents your heart. That represents Mm -hmm. who you are right now. 
And right now you need grace. And so let it go. That is so telling and creates such a story now to listen to in the soft light of grace. Now it seems like you're giving yourself permission to just be you and walk in your own shoes comfortably. At least that's what I'm getting from this. And, and what a, a yeah, pivotal moment it, it, that was for you in your career. Wow. Well, it was such a, it was really such a blessing. This whole album to me feels like a miracle. Um, because honestly, after winding down for a long time, for a lot of reasons, I felt like I was done. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like winding down, the title became almost prophetic. Um, and um, I, I had to kind of do a reset. Um, and I, I think, too, doing what I do and having so many people around me that I do, you know, it's difficult being an artist. And, and, mm -hmm. and I've, I've proven how it will kill you. Uh, it'll kill your creative spirit if you spend your time comparing yourself to other people. Um, and mm -hmm. although I've never really done that, I've, I've never really compared myself to people. Um, I do worry about what other people think of my work and my art. Right. I, I never look at somebody else's music and say, oh, I wish I could do that because I'm happy with what I do. But I, I can, but I can say, look at someone else and say, man, I hope they like what I do. I hope they, you know, it's, it's almost mm -hmm. like you're kind of seeking approval and, and that, that also can kill the creative spirit in you because if you're chasing other people's approval, you'll, you're just never going to be happy. Oh, amen on that big time. Now, I, I, I so resonate with that and hear you. And again, just to stay perfectly in your lane and be perfectly you is, you know, is a gift to be able to do that if you can without trying to look at somebody else's progress. Tell me, out of all of the 16 CDs and albums you have, what, if you can, is your favorite song? Ah. <laughs> uh. That's a cruel question in a way to try to pick one. Well, it it is a cruel question. Uh, well, it's a difficult question because, I mean, I joke around when people say just in terms of my CDs, people will say, which, which CD is your favorite? Which album is your favorite? And my response is, well, I love all my children, you know. Um, and mm. so it's hard to pick one. But, you know, I, I look back on... There's a song that I composed um, as part of my the album that I wrote for my kids um, back in the early 2000s, and it's a it was a the title song title track from my album Sweet Dreams and Starlight, and I've always been so proud of that song, um, and proud of how it sounds, and proud of the performance, and. I think for me, that's a real highlight. I, I have to say that's one of, among one of my favorites to both hear and to play. I really enjoy that piece a lot. Very cool on that. And very cool also that we have our producer, who is Eric Bicalis, the pianist, who helps out on the podcast here. We will now play Sweet Dreams and Starlight by David Nephew.
That was Sweet Dreams in Starlight by David Nevue. Great job on that, David. And thank you for sharing that that is the one you are most proud of. Now, where can we find your music? Where can't we find your music? Maybe that's it. (laughs) Where can't you? Um, Oh, man. You might be hard-pressed to find a place where you can't find it. Um, No kidding. You know, well, this is kind of the wonderful thing about living in the time and age we do, you know, for an independent artist like myself. I mean, we have means available to us where we can easily distribute our music everywhere. So literally you can find my music everywhere, whether it's, you know, Spotify or Pandora or iTunes or YouTube or any, pretty much if you listen to music there, you'll find me. And then of course mm-hmm. there's my website, uh, which is just my name, davidnevy.com And there you can find it and also get links to all the other places you can find it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. everywhere. If you want to find it, it's it, not hard to find. And then that's David N E V U E dot com. And yes. also, what's this? Pass surpassing a billion spins on Pandora. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was but, that was a big, big accomplishment. Uh yeah, I did that. I think it's been about uh a year and a half maybe two years ago now that no, not quite two years ago that I did that year and a half. I think I'm about mm-hmm. 1.3 or something now. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, that was a big deal when I, I started, I mean, I wasn't really paying attention and then, and then I went in one day and just said, well, what is the listener count? And it was like 970 million or something. And that's, I was like, Whoa. And that's the point where I started to kind of really watch it. And then I had a, a big kind of a, I did a concert, kind of celebrating that which was a fun thing to do and i did this concert Mm -hmm. that that spanned my entire career and i kind of started with like the first song i ever composed and went through all my my whole catalog um did 20 songs in one one show which was a long concert but uh boy it was fun and we all had a great time and that was a really big that was definitely a moment for me to hit that so you had that concert you've had the over one billion spins you've been in the wall street journal Rolling Stone, 16 CDs. Yeah, but spanning all of that, can you pick out what what is the highlight that you've had or what are you most proud of, of your musical career? Now, this is no disrespect to your family, your friends, your loved ones, but David's musical (laughs) career, what has been the highlight? What's the big thing? You know, honestly, it's something a lot more simpler than that and not near as grandiose in the way that gets attention. Um, I think probably one of the highlights for me, and it continues to be every time I see it and hear it. I remember the first time I went to a recital where I heard a student play my music. Um, oh yes to hear mm-hmm. somebody else playing my music you know who was a student you know um, i don't you know like an, an eight-year-old playing one of my songs and and loving it and then um you know that's happened many times now over the years where i get to I attend recitals where i'm invited and, and go and and get to hear students play my music um or just having people send me video of, you know, them or their children playing my music. Honestly, I think that is the highlight for me because I feel like if I were to get hit by a a dump truck today, somebody would still be playing my music. It it wouldn't, you know, I mean, my music continues. Mm -hmm. Um, People are still performing it and interpreting it and playing it. And, that's that's what I'm most proud of. And it always blows me away when I hear somebody else play one of my songs. And um, and even when they take some artistic liberties which it, with it, which I've seen where artists take my music and then they kind of do their own thing with it. And I think that's really cool. Um, so I love that. There's nothing that feels better than that, to know that huh. someone likes your music well enough to spend hours and hours and hours learning it and memorizing it even. Uh, that's just amazing to me. That's goosebump material. That really is. And and one thing I want to bring up, I often say that, you know, businessmen and women, sometimes their tribute to themselves are building buildings with names on them that live on after they're gone. For us, it's our songs and our music. And for to see 
somebody play your song, even an eight-year-old, that is super, super yeah. cool. Wow. Tell yeah, me. Sure. Now, we talked about we, we talked about your inner critic, so I'm going to move on to one other question is, what is one thing that most anyone does not know about David Nevue? Uh, well, I think there's many things. Um, most people that have seen me in concert know that, uh, they've heard a lot of my stories about, you know, like the monkeys, for example. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my love for chocolate, which is no secret. Um, nice. um, but I think what people might be surprised or might not realize, um, about me is that, um, I'm really, I really see myself as an artist before mm -hmm. a piano player. I'm an artist that plays the piano. Um, before I ever played the piano seriously, um, I was really uh, into creative writing and I was very big into poetry and, and writing uh, poetry. And that was my that was my creative outlet all through high school and even into college. Um, I was the, I ended up being the editor of our creative uh, arts um, magazine in high school. And then I ended up doing that, repeating that again in college. And poetry was a big thing for me. And what ended up happening was um, when I found music and started to be able to express myself artistically through music, that kind of took over that side of me. Um, mm -hmm. and so I've been a musician since, and then, but I also do photography. And this is kind of a new thing that I found really the last two or three years where I'm doing a lot of photography and expressing myself that way. So I, I guess, nice. I guess what I would say is that I'm, I'm more than just a piano player. I, I really see what I do as art. Um, and I've always commented mm -hmm. that like, if you buy one of my CDs, um, really the music is just like one part of the project. I look at a CD as an art project and the, uh, mm -hmm. the art design that goes into the CD is purse is purposeful and the art is part of the art. Um, the liner notes and the stories that I include, uh, about the music or the album is something that I put a lot of months of writing and time into. Um, so it's all mm -hmm. part of that. And so I'm an artist first and the piano is just one facet of who I am as a artist. And, and could you could basically say that you're a creative soul and the piano is a tool of expression for you. That's worked quite well uh, to say the yeah. least. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. All right. And, uh, it's just a thing so, that I've become well known for, but I do other things too. All right. So we we have people listening that are at different stages or different roads on the way to either beginning to be a, a player halfway through or, you know, are struggling or enjoying things. What would, what advice would you give a student who wants to be a musician? I would say do it for the love of what, uh, do it for the love of it. Do it for the the joy of it. Um, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of pianists who, and and artists. I mean, even my own kids, um, who are creative, but they because they can't achieve perfection <laughs> mm -hmm. right away it becomes a source of frustration to them and they give up or they come to hate it because when they sit down at the piano um, and they feel like they sit down at the piano and then they, in their minds, they fail. Um, they don't achieve that level of perfection. And so it, it robs the joy. And so what I would say to a musician or to a piano player or a student is that yes you need to learn the theory yes you need to if you if well i should say i should say if you understand music theory it will help you do what you love to do um but by all means do what you love to do for the love of it do it because mm -hmm. you love it and whether it's music or whether it's something else in life find your joy find the thing that makes you happy and then pursue that and do that very very well and that thing that you love and find joy in might just become the thing you end up 
doing for a career. I mean, that's what happened with me. So just mm-hmm. don't forget the joy. Um, allow yourself to be human. Allow mm-hmm. yourself to be imperfect. And um, I have had many times where I have made mistakes in songs, and those mistakes have actually become other songs. So nice. you know, your mistakes can lead to creativity. So don't be afraid to let that happen. Well, well said on that. And stay in your own lane and yeah. don't compare yourself to others. Absolutely. All right. Now, we're running out of time. I have one last question, and this is from Four Hour Work Week. It, huh. it always asks the question if you had one billboard to spread your message across the country, what would David's billboard say? Well, everything that I do really revolves around my faith. Everything that I do is centered upon that because honestly, without my faith and without my trust in, in God, um, because I am a really broken person and because I, you know, struggle with a lot of these things, I, I just, I feel like, um, you know, we were on the topic of grace, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the album. And um, if I could not rest in that grace that I feel, um, and that I believe in that grace from God. I, I, I don't know how I would move forward. I would be paralyzed. Um, and so I think my message, and I, I talk about this a lot when I'm playing in shows and I I think it's just kind of my, my story and the arc of my story as a person, as a human being is that God is good and that God made us and that he's our father in heaven and he is a good father. You know, we have lots of fathers who are not good fathers, but he's a good father and mm-hmm. uh, he wants good for us. And I think if I was to put anything on a billboard, because I just, you know, you know, we say God loves you and it sounds trite, but if you really think about, if you really think about it, saying God loves you, he really loves you is actually very profound. Mm-hmm. That God loves you, that God knows mm-hmm. that He knows you and loves you, even though He He knows you. And um, one of the the most common phrases, verses in 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 the whole Bible, and most people don't realize this is the most common thing that's stated stated over fifty times is um, a statement that is most referred to in Psalm one forty five. So if I was to put anything on a billboard, it might be Psalm one forty five, which is the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. And if you believe that, and if you trust in that, it really, when you give yourself grace, and you know that God is for you, then it really frees you. It gives you liberty to be who you are and who he made you to be. And so mm-hmm. I think that would be my message, simply put, would be, Psalm 145, 8, um, because for me, it's been life-saving. It's, it's, is what I rest in and it gives me a lot of joy and hope and it helps me to keep on doing what I'm doing. And perfectly so. You're being perfectly you, David. And this has been a great time to be able to talk with you and to get to know you. So, Thanks to the monkeys, yeah. your roommate, George Winston, yeah. and living a courageous life. Yeah. There you have it. <laughs> a behind-the-scenes look at pianist, the composer, and entrepreneur David Nevue on the River of Calms Beyond the Music podcast. I'm your host, Ed Basil, and the River of Calm is music to soothe your soul. May the calm be with you.